Hello and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center's Victoria's Living Podcast. Victoria's Living Christian Center is a church that strives to stand for goodness and is committed to encourage and show a better way. A church whose vision is to see God's people living a victorious life. This is accomplished through community outreach, education, healthy living, and support groups while still providing spiritual growth. Our goal is to meet the needs of man, spiritually as well as naturally. So welcome and enjoy. Good evening and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center Gospel Bible Chat Room. I am Pastor Ruth Gardner and we are here tonight. We're going to continue our study on the book of Romans. We're going to open up in prayer and then we're going to go ahead and get started. Go ahead, Elder. Thank you, Lord, for this Bible class. We want to thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come together once again to learn of your word. Father, we thank you for for allowing us to dive into who you are and what you are doing in us and through us and what you are doing in this season. Father, we want to ask that you remove in this Bible class. Father, let everything that we learn on tonight sink into our hearts. Let it permeate our hearts and our minds. May we continue to feast on this word until we meet again. Father, we thank you for those who are here, um, those who are listening. Father, we thank you for those who are listening to this playlist playback. And Father, I pray a special blessing for them. We want to bless the speaker and the teacher of the hour. We ask that you would give her strength in her body from the crown of her head to the sole of her feet, clarity of thought and clarity of speech. Father, we thank you and we give it in the praise, the glory and the honor in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Can I mute my phone there for a second? All right. So we're going to start in Romans chapter nine, we're going to pick up at verse number 19. Now we were covering the beginning part of Romans chapter nine and who can remember what exactly, what was the focus point that kind of got us stuck pretty much. Can anybody remember? Okay. It's all right. So basically what we were talking about, um, we were talking about the children of the promise as opposed to uh, the natural descendants of Abraham and, and what Paul was saying in this case that, you know, it uh, the blessings of the promise, not just based on the fact that you are a natural descent of Abraham, but yet you are a child of faith that you are like Abraham is the father of faith. So we are the children of faith. And that's how um, Paul was trying to describe to the Romans like exactly what it is when you're part of the lineage or you're part of the descendant, or you have a promise that you were given the promise of eternal life and being uh, faithful to Christ. So um, that's what we were recapping on last week. Amen. Do you remember that part? Yep. I All right. Amen. Any questions or any comments about that? You want to have anything you want to share about that? No, I'm good. Okay. All right. So let's go on. We're going to start at verse number 19 in Romans chapter nine. So let me get my 
little sound together and we'll get going. And it's Romans chapter nine and it's NIV version. Okay, here we go. Romans chapter nine. Oh, I speak sorry, the truth the beginning. in Christ. <laughs> I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption to sonship. There's the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. It is not as though God's word had failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. Not because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return and Sarah will have a son. Not only that, but Rebecca's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. Okay, I know um, this is rather long, and I know I'm playing it from the beginning, but I just played it because I want to make sure we have a recap in case you heard something and you had a question about it. Now we're going to start <laughs> at verse number 19. <laughs> One of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath, prepared for destruction. What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory, 
even us, whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. As he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people, and I will call her my loved one who is not my loved one. In the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called children of the living God. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of the Israelites be like the sand by the sea, only the remnant will be saved. Mm. For the Lord will carry out his sentence on earth with speed and finality. It is just as Isaiah said previously, unless the Lord Almighty had left us descendants, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. What then shall we say? Okay. The there we go. All right. Okay. Paul creates a hypothetical argument to make the case between predestination and free will a little muddier. He imagines someone saying that God is unjust to blame us for our actions if he is solely responsible for them. The obvious re response is that we do not have the right to argue with God, our creator, for how he has created his universe. It would have seemed that then that Paul is on the side of the Calvinists until he begins to point out chosen passages from scripture. We did this already. He quotes Hosea first, making it clear that God had chosen other people besides the Jews to call his people. In the days when it was blasphemy to say that anyone could have come to God except through conversion to Judaism, Hosea says exactly that. Then Hosea continues and tells us that God will treat those who are his people like they aren't. This again brings us back to the argument that God has rejected Israel and lie the church, those saints he was has preordained to receive eternal life. But again, nothing is quite the simpler in this chapter. Paul doubles back around and makes it clear that also is not the case. Isaiah 10 tells us that although many Israelites would reject salvation, still a remnant of them would be left. This is not speaking of a remnant of Gentile believers, but of Jewish ones. All Israel will eventually inherit the promises of God on, on account of a few who remain faithful to him throughout the ages. Paul then quotes Isaiah chapter one and it becomes clear what he is saying. The election he is speaking of is not some irresistible grace for all believers, not in this passage at least. His ability to fulfill his promises to the Jews and his prerogative to incorporate others into those promises as well. God is not going to cut off Israel as he did with Sodom and Gomorrah, but he will literally and physically, dis he will leave literal and physical descendants to inherit the promises. God will also allow Gentile believers into the fold of God's sheep pen. Paul is answering Jewish reservations of this inclusive grace, much like in the parable Jesus told. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landlord who went, landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a demaris for the day and sent them into 
his vineyard. We know about this scripture. It's in Matthew 21 through 16. It's kind of lengthy. I'm going to read it anyway. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon, about three in the afternoon, and he did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard gave, said to the foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came here, each received a denarius. So when those that came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received the denarius, which when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired worked last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for Daenerys? Take your pay and go. I want to give to the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my money, my own money? Or are you envious because I am so I am so generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. That's taken from Matthew 21 through 16. So Jesus told this parable to make it clear that others who have not worked like the first will be allowed into the kingdom. Basically, there is no respect of person. It doesn't matter what time in your life you, you know, came unto salvation. You know, the first will be last and the last will be first. He was speaking about the Jewish objections to Gentiles being allowed and without first having to convert to Judaism. By his sovereign will, God chose to allow the Gentiles in. He didn't base it upon their conversions to Judaism, but he based it upon the fact that they had faith and they believed in Jesus Christ. This little reality was reiterated much to the chagrin of the Pharisees and teachers of the law who became Christians in the early church. Okay. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the laws of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them for he purified their hearts by faith now then why do you try to test god by putting on the necks of the gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear no we believe it is through the grace of our lord jesus that we are saved just as they are the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Bar Barnabas and Paul talk about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, 
listen to me. Simon A had Simon A has described to us how God first in, intervened, mm, intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. That's tripped me up. It says Simon A has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people from his name from the Gentiles. Simon A. Okay. The words of the prophet are in agreement with this, and it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even as Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord. Who does these things, things known from long ago? It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strange strangled animals, and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogue on every Sabbath. And that's Acts chapter 15, verses 5 through 21. So... Got a lot of stuff in this chapter. <laughs> Let's go back. So um, Paul talk, talk, talks about the Calvinism and how, you know, the difference between those two things. He quotes Hosea, making it clear that God has chosen people besides the Jews to call his people. Doesn't matter about converting to Jaism. That's one point he points out. And then he talks about Hosea. Then Hosea continues to tell us that God will treat those who are his people like they aren't. So basically they were saying, you know, the remnant is not just the remnant of just Jews or remnant of just Gentiles, but it's those who are believers in Christ. Okay. He's not speaking of remnant of Gentiles, but of Jewish ones. Okay. All Israel will eventually inherit the promises of God on account of the few who remain faithful to him throughout the ages. Those are the remnants. So he talks about who and what the remnants is comprised of. It's not just, you know, Gentiles, but there are some Jewish ones as well. Amen. 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 All right. Y'all with me now? Okay. <laughs> Paul then quotes Isaiah chapter one, it becomes clear what he's saying. The election he is speaking of is not some irresistible grace for all believers, not in this passage, at least his ability to fulfill his promise to the Jews and his prerogative to incorporate others into those promises as well. So God is not going to cut off just Israel and call just a remnant of Gentiles. no. He's going to have them both incorporated and is based upon his sovereignty. Also, our belief, but, but, but the end of the result, end of the day, is really based upon God's sovereignty because he can choose whoever he wants. He's sovereign. He chooses to incorporate the Gentiles, even though Jews was his promise. The promise, his original promise was for just the Jews, but it's God's divine will and his desire to include us. Now, ain't you glad he uh, decided to include us? <laughs> 
us because if not we would be lost but we but, but here paul is trying to explain to them that you know we can't just say it's about just the jews the gentiles are going to be included in this remnant okay so then he talks about um he used the parable of the landowner and one thing he said that you know those who got there first who knew about jesus first who knew about the plan of salvation first you know they were given a promise, right? They equated equated the eternal life with the uh, the, the denarius, the piece of coin that they gave, that they were paid. That was the promise. So those who came in, into the knowledge of it first received that promise. So as the time went on, which can quote to like, you know, years or whatever, and then now here comes the Gentiles, they're coming in at the last hour before Christ risely comes back. And they're like, why are they getting uh, Daenerys? Or why are they getting pretty much the promise? That's what God, you know, the parable was equating to. The Daenerys is being the promise. So you can't, you know, if God chooses to pay somebody who worked an hour and you worked there for five hours, y'all still get equal pay. He promised that he was going to pay you with that. You know, he promised that promise to you. So if he promised it to somebody else who comes later, that's his prerogative. And that's how he wants us to see this. You know, that's what he was trying to explain to those who've been, you know, the Jews that have been there who have been walking and now they understand. And then now he's opening up for the Gentiles. And here we got all these Gentiles coming in, but we were the first ones. We were the what one of the promise. So that's what he was trying to explain to them. You know, we cannot get upset because God chooses to do the same to those as he's doing to us. Amen. Amen. Anybody got anything they want to add to or say about it? Okay. So then <laughs> he talked about another uh, section here where, let's see something we believe it. About the circumcision. And then Paul spoke to the uh, Jews. And made that speech about, you know, after when he quoted from he quoted from the prophet. I don't know which prophet that he quoted from. Um let's see. Acts 15. Let me see if we go to Acts 15, 5 down to 21. Acts. I'm trying to find this part where it's in scripture when um who is it, Paul or Peter? Peter, when he was talking about opening the um, salvation to the Gentiles. And when he was talking in the book of Acts, he said, a, he quoted a scripture from a prophet. Let me see if I can find out where it's coming from. Go to Acts. I think it's Amos, Prophet Amos, Prophet of Amos chapter 9, 11 and 12, where he was talking about after this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. 
its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. So prophet Amos, the book of Amos is written where he spoke this scripture. So, so Peter takes the scripture and reads it to them to also to reiterate the fact that, you know, we cannot exclude them and we cannot make them take on what our customs are. And this is what he was trying to point out to them as well. So those are two good points, you know, as far as incorporating the Gentiles. One, God chooses whoever he wants to bring into salvation. He chooses whoever he wants to give the promise to. And two, because they are coming over to our uh, faith or coming into the, the becoming a part of the quote unquote remnant, we cannot enforce our religion upon them. Because this is going to be for all mankind, even the Gentiles. There's going to be other people, you know, who are coming from different religions that were coming in. And they're going to be a part of the remnant. Amen. So he was telling them at that time, you know, look, others are coming in, you know, that don't, don't know the ways that we know. But because of their faith and because of God's sovereignty, we have to receive them. We have to accept them. If they're living, if they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they're living the life, you know what I'm saying? They're about that life. <laughs> they're living, you know, really according to the word of God. It doesn't matter where they come from, Buddhism, Hinduism, you know, whatever, Mormons, whatever. If God touched their hearts and they are truly born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, they're part of the remnant. You know what I'm saying? Which is very, very, very interesting prophetic because this is the word of God. There is going, it's that remnant. We have to be ready for that remnant. It's not going to be just us. There's a big mass remnant of people coming together. Amen. 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 Okay. Any questions? Come on, talk to me, y'all. Now you know I'm sitting here running my mouth. Tell me something. No, I don't have any questions. I really don't either. I mean, there's a lot of things that are in here, but you know, everything's pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. All right, y'all's gonna let me talk. All right, fine, whatever. Um, You're doing such a wonderful job. Yeah, <laughs> I, was waiting, I was waiting to hear that. <laughs> um, oh, something else I was just reading here in Acts. Let's go to Acts 15. Go to Acts 15. Acts 15. Yeah, I was just reading something. It's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult. I want to read this again. I guess there's a lot in this too. What um Acts 15. See now and here on see this is what tripped me up on 14, verse number 14, 15, 14. Go down, like drop down to about that area. Is that Simon has described to us how God first intervened 
to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. And when I was reading it, it had an A in there. And that's what tripped me up when I was trying to read it earlier. I'm like, what's this A doing there? But anyway, uh, what I wanted to look at is where he says, um, Paul got it. He said, verse number nine, he did not discriminate between us and them for he purified their hearts by faith. Then it says, now then, why do you trust? Why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors had been able to bear? What is that yoke? Tell me, this is a pop quiz. Whoever get it, I'm gonna give you a hundred thousand dollars. Like, no, but for real, what is the yoke that was taken off? Sin. Okay. <laughs> that wasn't the answer you were looking for? Mm, no. It was, okay, now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? Oh, the law. Oh, the law. There you yeah, go. The yes. I was thinking that too. But yes. <laughs> the law. It was the law. It's yeah. the law. Yes. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> that part right there. I said, okay. He said, we haven't even been able to bear. So way back when, it's been a hard journey for the people of Israel trying to live by the law. And he said, that, why y'all trying to throw this on them? You knew very well we, we couldn't even handle it. That ain't fair to them. And then it says, the whole assembly became silent. They were like, mm, crickets. Yeah, they couldn't say nothing. And then that was a mic drop. Yeah, it was like crickets. <laughs> yeah, is that something? He's like, you know, y'all can't be putting these on these people. They're coming over, you know. We struggle with it, you know. Same here, you know. You know, people coming in even now today. You know, we 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 was raised. We in the church. Mm -mm. There's a lot of stuff. Now, let me just say this: there was some leniency with us. I mean, they were really hard on us. But I mean, today a lot of they don't. They just went left field. Now they didn't let anything, everything happen. But there were some things that you know, even today we don't allow in the church, but yet is there. And then, um. But there were the mothers that were there that was trying to keep us, you know, you know, the ones that wore the, the long dresses and the stockings, you know, that's what I see when I hear about, you know, this yoke, you know, they had that yoke on them and they were trying to make us when we were coming in, God was, when the reformation was taking place, because you know, there was a reformation taking place back then when first with holiness, you couldn't wear makeup. You had to wear long dresses and long sleeves. And so that right there, that was the, 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 
yoke that they had. So they were trying to put the yoke on us who were coming in and we were not wearing the long stocking. We started wearing dressing and modest apparel, maybe a little nails and little lipstick, you know, just something not crazy looking like a harlot dressing modestly. We were coming in, but they were trying to put that yoke on them. That's what I think about in the church. Now that right there is a good example, but now this day that that yoke that we had even then, that yoke should have stayed. <laughs> They don't took it too far. They don't took it too far. <laughs> that young should stay right there. Y'all freely running in the grass. Somebody slid to the right. They cha cha over to the right, and it was like it's been bonkers ever since. It's just like the floodgates flew open, and everything and everything started coming up in, in the house of God. But understanding that yoke. So when they were, I guess, when they feel like the people now, the younger generation felt that to them, that was the yoke. So they're not, you know, so now they reformed and now they're making a little bit more freer in the church. And that's what we see today. See how that yoke got lighter and lighter. Interesting. That came fresh off the press. So um, he says, why do you try to test them, you know? And he said, no, we believe it through grace, our Lord Jesus, that we are saved just as they are. You know, we believe it. They believe it. Okay, they, they believe. So they're just as saved as we are. So, you know, that was a good point. Anything else? Did I say anything else on that scripture? Are y'all there, Acts 15? I'm down around by 8, 9, 10, 12, that area. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> Eight, nine, ten, twelve, eleven, twelve. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, you know, just around about that area. I'm just kind of looking around at that scripture because that's the part where um it's in the book. And so I want to look and, and just kind of break it down and kind of pick at it a little bit because he said a lot, even in that, even with the prophet Amos, which I talked about earlier. And see what he says down here at number, look at verse number 19. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strange animals, and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. So that was one thing that he said, and we're going to, you know, ask them to do or, or encourage them to do are these things, because this is what God asks for them to do, to refrain from. Okay. This is the only thing that he was saying, if we're going to do anything, if we're, we're not going to talk about the circumcision. We're not going to talk about, you know, the Sabbath or anything like that. Just these, these sexual sins, these physical sins, you know, food polluted by idols. Don't eat nothing that, that's, polluted, you know, polluted by idols, you know, refrain from sexual immorality and from meat of strang strangled animals. And from can, can I, can I read and amplify 19 and 20? Yes, go ahead. What does it sound like? What does it be like? Mm -hmm. Therefore, it is my opinion that we should not put obstacles in the way of and annoy and disturb those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but we should send word to them in writing to abstain from 
and avoid anything that has been polluted by being offered to idols mm. in all sexual impurity mm-hmm. and eating meat of animals that have been strangled and tasting of blood. Mm. For from every, for, for from, from every, I'm sorry, I keep saying every, for from ancient generations, Moses has had his preachers in every town for he has read aloud every Sabbath in the synagogues. Mm. That was good. That right there just it, it's it's right there. Yeah. Yeah. Just you know, don't just you know, just don't you know, don't go buck wild. <laughs> you know, don't don't anything don't be sacrificing and all that stuff you know idols and all that he ain't asking them to to go to the moon and bring back five stars that's all they were saying but see but the pharisees the ones who were there who was under their yoke that hard yoke they were like no you gotta do this you gotta do that you gotta you gotta get circumcised you gotta sat you gotta you know do the sat what i could i would do the sabbath you know Stuff like that, and um, even that, it's not even necessary, you know, to have it because it's not even. But anyway, no, refrain from, you know, doing, <laughs> I'm sorry, refrain from, you know, just basic things, things that are just immoral, things that are just straight up sin. That's sin to them. These are the Levitical laws, and see, that's why even in this case, it's saying. Remember how they say that, you know. Those laws, God did away all the all the laws. He didn't do away with all the laws. There's still this laws that they're asking them to do, to follow. And they encourage them. Not telling them that they have to, but they're in, encouraging them to. Because these are the things that, you know, that God told them to, you know, stay away from. The Levitical laws. yeah okay so let's finish up um no one has anything else to say questions comments nope i don't have anything else okay oh i sound like i'm rambling on like i'm rambling on all right so we're going to read the last three is it the last three let me see the last three that will be it will be done y'all Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith. But the people of Israel who pursued the law as the way of righteousness have not attained their goal. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. Mm. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, See, I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Mm. All right. So that ends there. Paul concludes this chapter by making clear that Gentiles have attained the same grace offered to Jews. They have received it not through adherence to the law, as Paul claims, are pursuing a righteousness here, but through a pursuit of faith. In that way, Jesus truly fulfilled the prophecy of him in Isaiah 8. 
that he was a stumbling block to those seeking the folly of self-justification through the law. Come on now. Let me, let me, I got to read that one more again. He was a stumbling block to those seeking the folly of self-justification through the law. To the contrary, those who believe in him will never receive the penalties of the law that cannot justify. They shall inherit eternal life and never be put to shame. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, that was good. So that scripture that is read of an Isaiah 8 about him being a stumbling block. He's going to be a stumbling block to those who are walking in darkness. This is how we used to say it. He's, be a, he's, a, he's a stumbling block to those who's walking in darkness because they can't see Jesus because they're so filled and surrounded by darkness. But to those who believe the rock is used as a, uh, a breaker, like it, it breaks off the penalty of sin in our lives. That's how we were taught in the old, old school about the stumbling block. To those who walk in darkness, you trip over it because you can't see, but those who's walking in the light, they can see, but they can use it as a weapon to destroy the shackles and the chains that the enemy has placed on us. Ain't that powerful? It's a twofold stumbling block. <laughs> okay, that's it. Anybody got anything else they want to add or talk about? Any questions? What do you think about that scripture or that scenario or that, you know, little, what do you call it, allegory or mm -hmm. symbolism? What do you think about it? I, there's a very interesting correlation between, you know, him saying that he would be a stumbling block for them, right? Mm -hmm. But then if you go, you go back, the Bible actually says that, you know, that he is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Mm -hmm. So for those that are in faith, he is a light. But for mm -hmm. those that are without faith, he is a stumble without faith, he's a stumbling block. Right. Yep. That's it. That's it. You don't have the faith. Because see, right there, it says it. He's trying to seek folly of just self-justifying through the law. So they try to find a reason or try to find an excuse for their sin. So that's how they stumble because they can't get their, their lives straight. They can't take the word and, and take this out and do that out because they'll, they'll come to light. They'll stumble. They'll stumble at what they're saying. They'll stumble at what they're preaching. It won't make sense. They'll stumble. That's because you're trying to take your sin and justify it through the law. So he becomes that stumbling block because you can't use the word of God correctly. You know what I'm saying? He'll cause him to stumble. Mm -hmm. He'll cause him to stumble. You can't take that word and try to twist it around. You get found out. But like, oh, that don't make sense, bro. No, that don't, that don't make sense. That's a stumbling block. Mm -hmm. But those who believe in him will never receive the penalties of the law that cannot justify. Ooh. <laughs>
and he'll destroy it. He'll be that crushing rock. Remember that song, Sister? Uh, I don't know if you remember. No, you, you don't remember. Sister Sylvia used to sing, I Go to the Rock. I go to the rock of my salvation. Okay, I'm done. All right, so um, that concludes <laughs> <laughs> that concludes tonight's lesson. Um, anyone has any final remarks, Elder Joya, Pastor John? No. Okay. Amen. So that concludes tonight's uh, Bible study. We're gonna um, go next week. We're gonna be going into Chapter Ten, Romans Chapter Ten. This has been very good. Very, very good. I like this. I like this book. What do you think? You guys like this book? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good book. Yeah. I enjoy, I'm enjoying it. All right. So we'll pick up next week on at chapter 10. Pastor John, can you dismiss this one tonight? Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, God, for the teacher on tonight, God. We pray that you continue to bless her, God, and use her. And God, we thank you for the lesson, for the wisdom that has been has been shown through your word. For God, your word is infinite. And God, we love you, God. And we just continue to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, everybody. Have a good evening. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thank you for joining us on tonight. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired. If you desire to be a blessing to the ministry, you may do so by sending a love gift to www.paypal.me forward slash VLCC or through our cash app, which is the dollar sign VLCC Life. We also invite you to stop by our website by clicking on the link. May God bless you and may your day always be victorious.